0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by guest speaker, Pastor Chad Deadman. That, that was honoring. You know, that we 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 spent it's really good when you get introduced and we spend like a good, you know, a couple minutes with my mom. My mom is a legend. Um, it's crazy. I'm going to talk about a few things this morning, and it will be all be kind of coming together. But it's cool that you talked about the generations, and I had a dream about 10 months ago where I was uh, saw Jesus washing the feet of these three men, and I couldn't see the. I saw the backs of the men, and I saw the face of Jesus, and I walked behind Jesus, and I saw these men, and it was obviously like. The age of a millennial, like it was a you know a a 30 year old, uh, a 48 year old. I mean, I wasn't precise on the 48, but I mean, just seemed like you know like kind of under 50, over 45. So I just threw in 48. But uh, and then and then it was like this you know 65 year old, and I saw uh, this rainbow over the three of them, and Jesus looks at me and says, Chad. Uh, I want you to begin to take notice that the next seven years, I'm going to reveal myself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then I'm healing the generations. And, uh, and so anyways, yeah, my mom, she's a legend. And, uh, and then my grandma, her mom, uh, she was charismatic Catholic. Uh, we went through the whole charismatic Catholic renewal in the early 70s. And that's how my whole family got saved. My grandma did meetings with Catherine Coleman. She was this crazy intercessor. Like, my grandma is this Catholic intercessor that went to Toronto in '95, that went to like all these crazy outpourings in Europe in the mid 90s. And she would call me, uh, like, I was 10 years old, and she would call me and say, Chad, I was praying for you since 2 a.m. And uh, you're wearing a red shirt right now, and God's doing this and this and this. And I, like, look down. and like, I'm wearing a red shirt. I mean, this is, you know, like we're talking on the landline, you know. It's not like we're FaceTiming or something like that. This is, like, you know, this is 1992 or 1993, you know. So, so anyways, yeah, my, my grandma, she used to teach me how to fly in the Spirit when I was four years old. And uh, <laughs> she was amazing. The generations. You know, it's just, uh, it's pretty epic. But um, anyways, I'm Chad. Uh, I'm a pretty crazy guy. I do a lot of crazy stuff. And I was um, doing some cliff diving and I was climbing up this rock and I just got jammed and my wedding ring came off and it flew down in the water. And so that happened two days ago. And then it got the sixth wedding ring that I've lost. And uh, I've been trying to convince my wife that I could get a tattoo yeah. that says, uh, uh, it's, a, it's an anchor and it's JC, you know, because Julia and Chad were married together. And it's an anchor, you know, but also you got Jesus Christ in there. And, you know, the whole anchor deal, like, I grew up in the ocean. So, you know, that, that makes sense. And, but it's still not, you know, and I have like a whole thing. I'm sorry. I'm going to just, I guess I'm talking about tattoos. Um, anyways... I think if you want a tattoo after a good 7, 10 years, you should probably get one. But, um, and that has been in that range. That's been about a good 10 years. So I'm almost ready to cross the line, but my wife isn't there yet. So anyways, um, I don't know why I'm talking about that, but uh, my wife and I, we've been married 13 years. And our first date was pretty crazy. I took her to a nice Italian restaurant in Reading. And uh, our first date was on Valentine's Day, so it's always good. This next Valentine's Day will be our 16th anniversary, 16th year anniversary of our first date. And so uh, we've known each other for a long time. And I took her to this really nice, romantic, you know, hot spot, uh, Italian restaurant, the Olive Garden in Reading. <laughs> and, and I took her on a nice walk. And I said, hey, I want to love Jesus with all my heart and just release the kingdom of heaven on earth for the rest of my life. How does that sound to you? And we're, we're 20 years old. And, uh, and she says, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I said, well, then let's go to the emergency room. And let's go pray for some people. And so we went to the, you know, very romantic. Um, <laughs> went to the waiting room. There was a guy there with uh, second-degree burns on the upper half of his body, chest, back, neck, arms. And so I approached him, and he's, you know, waiting for the doctors. And, and uh, Julia and I approached him and said, can we pray for you? And he says, sure, I put my hands on his chest, he screams out in pain, and I realize I probably shouldn't touch him. Um, I should probably just put my hands a couple inches away. And so, uh, wisdom, wisdom comes through experience. But, anyways, that wasn't really at my expense, more at his expense. But, anyways, so I'm praying, he goes, Oh, wow, I feel this cool wind. You know the the pain's leaving, and and he starts touching his chest. He starts touching his arms, like that doesn't hurt anymore. I'm like, are you serious? And I and I start touching. I'm like, does that not hurt? And he's like, no, it I totally, you know. And I'm like, well, let's pray for new skin. That feels like the next thing we should be praying for. And so we're praying for new skin. And the doctors come and. They, they're saying, hey, you got to come with us in the back. We have to run these, you know, do these procedures. And, and he gets to tell them what God's doing. And he goes, yeah. And ever since they've been praying a second time, I've been feeling itchy. I feel itchy all over. And the doctor's like, well, you should be feeling itchy for another couple of weeks or a month or so because that means you're getting new skin. And so it was really cool, you know. Then they took in the background these tests, and this lady was watching. She had a a very badly sprained ankle that was discolored, black and blue, swollen up pretty big. And uh, and so she says, "Will you pray for me?" And so me and Julia prayed for her, and we watched the swelling decrease, the discoloration go. She gets up out of the wheelchair. She starts dancing, and then she starts worshiping Jesus, dancing. And her daughter, who's like a teenager, her like kind of jaw drops, and, and me and Julie just start prophesying over her. And we ask her, Do you want to be best friends with Jesus? And she says, Yeah, I want to know Jesus. And we are the Lord. So it was a really good first date. Yeah. And it was awesome. But that's kind of what we do. Uh, I would really invite you, you know, <clears throat> for those that are dating, married, that you take Jesus with you on date nights. Yeah. And. You know it's really really fun. Uh, There's been a lot of times at restaurants where we just see God show up, and you know it's just for us. We told God anywhere, anytime, any place. You know that's that's just just go for it. You've got the green light, and we love watching God show up. I mean, you know maybe I should do another date night story. Should I do another one? Okay, so this is another one. Um, I was leaving for Australia. I was going to be gone for 10 days. We usually have a rule that I, I, I only go on a few trips a year that I'm gone 10 days or less. I usually try not to go after 10, uh, more than 10 days. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but this is, this is some of our rules that we do. But, you know, obviously right before a 10 day trip, not gonna see each other, we try to, you know, invest in some equity in, in, in the love tank, and, you know, just like our connection, you know, like so, so we were going on this date, it's like our last date night, you know, before leaving and uh, we, we do a weekly date night, Julie and I, for the last 16 years, and so um, anyways, when you're in Reading, and you go on date night, usually, like, when you go to a restaurant, like Moonstone, or View 202, you're going to eat with, like, a 20 of your closest friends, so we were just like, hey, let's go get some food to go, and let's go eat at Sundial Bridge, and this is, like, in February, it's wintertime, it's not like super crowded Sundial Bridge, and there's two kind of parking lots in the Sundial Bridge. And so we took the one that was less traveled, you know, no one's really parked there. And we're getting ready. We're heating our Chipotle. And uh and so we're, you know, just wanting to connect and then we're gonna like take a walk on the Sundial Bridge. And so we're eating in our cars. You know kind of like hunkered down there. And uh and this white Ford Explorer pulls into the parking lot and decides to park right next to us. Like <laughs> Like, this lady had hundreds of options, and she chose right next to us. And at first, I was like, what is this lady doing? It's date night. Like, like we just wanted to get away from everybody, you know? And, and I was like, wait a second. This is too crazy. This is too, like, coincidental that she would choose to park. Like, we have to pray for her. And so, you know, she pulls in next to the pastor's seat where Julia is. And so we roll down her window, and I say, excuse me, uh, we're on date night. And you parked right here, and we feel like God brought you here for us to pray for you. Can we pray for you? And she's like, sure. And I said, were you in a car accident four months ago, and you hurt your neck? Do you have, like, severe pain in your neck? And she goes, yes, I do. And so we got out of the car. We prayed for her. And then I'm like, I see you as a little girl. You're five years old, and you're sitting on the floor of your living room, and you're watching a TV show on Africa, and you wept, and you told God, I want to go there one day. And she just starts bawling. She says... I told God this morning, if you don't speak to me, if you don't reveal that you're real, that I'm going to commit suicide. And I'm going to go on the Sundial Bridge. I'm just going to, I'm going to like, yeah, she had this whole different, you know, this whole plan to execute. And it was like 830 at night. And she was like at 10 p.m. I was going to I was going to go and commit suicide. And so we just start praying for her. And she says, yeah, when I was five years old, I watched a TV show, all this stuff. I've always had a heart to be a missionary. And I've been running from God. And I just want to get my, right, my life right back, you know, with God. And, and I'm like, well, do you have a passport? She says, no. And I said, well, here's $70. You need to only use this for a passport. It's time. Like, it's time for you to step into your dreams. It's time for you to be moving forward, you know, that you're not. And then this whole deal. And, you know, God just broke out. And she got healed. The next. So that was a date night story as well. <laughs> which... I mean, it's something that we have been going after, you know, at Bethel that I definitely have just naturally, like, followed suit is that whole lifestyle Christianity, you know, that, you know, that I remember back in the early 2000s, people would approach Bill and say, hey, I want to go on your outreach ministry. And he's like, outreach, we don't have, I mean, the mall ministry, we don't have a mall ministry. And and he's like, well, you share that testimony of those people that got healed in the mall. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, our people like to shop. You know, and that's what's amazing is we're living in this time where the church is being equipped, activated, let signs and wonders follow. You know, like we go to the grocery store, you know, and I love events because then they, they're invitations, they're, you know, to awaken something in you to cultivate into a lifestyle. Like I love events. But it's the learning how to make it a lifestyle, where it's just what you're doing naturally going about your day, and you're like, "Oh, Dad, that's what you want to do." Okay, there at the dry cleaners, you know, at the bank, whatever it may be. I love it. Jesus, Okay, I was um, I have got a couple of things to preach on, but I have a couple stuff in the back there as well. Uh, this is a thing that my mom and Heidi Baker did together. All the money for this um, goes towards uh, kids, and uh, we don't call them orphans because they're not orphans anymore, that it's the village of joy, the village of love, the village of hope, and, you know, these kids all have, like, aunties and uncles, and they're, you know, they're, they're not labeled as as orphans. They're labeled as sons and daughters, and uh, my wife and I—we've been working with Heidi uh, since about 2006. We were ordained by Bethel and Iris Ministries in 2008, and so, anyways, I love we're, uh, I love Mama Ida, and I love the crazy stuff that happens in Africa. Um, this is a, a buddy of mine, uh, Dan Bauman, who's a YWAM guy. He was in prison in Iran in the in the late 90s uh, for the gospel. They gave him a double death sentence for being a CIA operative and uh, a minister of the gospel, which he's not a CIA operative. But anyways, um, it was pretty crazy, his story, but his whole, like, encounters with Jesus and the whole deal. So that's back there. Um, and then also, uh, this is a project that I helped my dad with, which is this thing called Revival Party Music. It's like EDM. It's, it's a little bit of the crossing of the generations, you know, because uh, uh, my dad and I, we just have this passion for music, and so I helped my dad a bit in this whole deal. And, and uh, uh, EDM, you know, some of you are like, what in the world is EDM? But uh, it's electric dance music, and it is kind of like a sound of a generation. And I might even talk about this a little bit, about just the identifications of the generations and, you know, God kind of bringing them together. I might hit on that a little bit. Who knows? But anyways, uh, it is, it's pretty crazy, the sounds that are happening right now. That I've been studying the 60s. Um, man, am I going to get ahead of myself? Yeah, I should get ahead of myself. So in 2014, uh, I had a radical encounter with the Lord. And I talked about this a little bit at the conference that you guys put on. But, uh, but I'm going to kind of touch a little more into it because it's kind of the mandate that I'm in. as just a, it's been this crazy assignment to pray for California there is just a, there's just an invitation, there's a, there's a wooing, there's an awakening that's happening in California. It's pretty epic uh, to be a part of and just to kind of catch the wave. And so, um, yeah, that, that's the ministry that we're actually launching right now. It's called Catch the Wave. But, uh, but it all came out of an encounter I had in 2014 where, uh, before the encounter, uh, we were doing ministry in San Clemente. And with, uh, it was in September of 2014. And then we were doing this conference at Everyday Church. It was an, it was an Irish church plant with Heidi Baker it's in San Luis Obispo. And the night that we did the ministry in San Clemente, there was a tsunami warning from San Clemente to Pismo Beach, where the next day the conference was going to be at. So the two places, you know, in the consecutive nights, they're doing a tsunami warning from point A to point B. I'm like, okay. And for years, I'd get these prophetic words because I'm the surfer. Like, I'm the surfer revivalist. I grew up in the water. Uh, I grew up in Southern California. And uh, I've surfed, you know, all over the planet. I love surfing. I totally discovered God surfing. And uh, and I'll maybe touch on that a little bit as well. Uh, But anyways... I remember getting all these words, there's a there's a wave of the spirit coming, Chad, like God's been you know teaching you how to position yourself in the water and all this stuff. And so now I'm like, there's actual like tsunami warnings happening in the natural, you know, where I'm staying. And I'm like, wow, like this is like an invitation. And I minister at the conference of Pismo. I drive up to Reading that night on a Sunday. I get in at like 11 o'clock, I'm a little hungry and I am eating some food in my kitchen and this angel comes into the kitchen. Like this is not normal. This has happened a few times in my life, but it's not very normal that an angel shows up in the kitchen. And so anyways, this angel touches my heart, touches my chest, touches my heart. And then suddenly I see the father and he's sitting on the throne. And he says, Chad, I want you to begin to learn the language of heaven and then how to articulate it to a generation that's never heard the gospel in their language. And he said that my heart is breaking for those that are your age and younger, that um, I want you to begin to intercede for them. And I'm like, okay, you know, and he hands me this scroll. He says, your daughter will be one of the greatest mentors in your life, and your sister will be one of the greatest mentors in your life. And, And that your daughter will teach you how to be present and how, you know, how to cultivate the presence. And so uh, the Lord gives me these scrolls to eat. It was pretty interesting. Uh, it tasted like honey. And, um, but these scrolls, one said authenticity, uh, one said vulnerability, uh, and then one said presence. And so anyways, I went on this journey in 2014 where the Lord's like, hey, I want you to study the 60s before the Jesus people movement. Like what was going on in America in the 60s? What was happening with the generations you know this post-war and then you had the baby boomers that were you know they were labeled rebellious or anti-american and you had these sounds that start coming you know like bob dylan and you know all these different Jimi hendrix and you had elvis presley and he had so many of them that grew up in the church like James Brown or Elvis or Jimi Hendrix, or, you know, they all grew up in the church and they were carrying a sound for a generation. You guys doing okay? And it's so interesting with the music today, like, oh, geez, okay, so I've got, I started studying music and I started studying the sounds of the 60s and what was going on where the drums was like the biggest controversy. It was way crazier than the electric guitar. You guys know that, right? Like, everyone in the 50s and early 60s associated drums with witchcraft. Like, that's what the witches use, you know? Like, you don't mess with the drums. And so it's so crazy to see these sounds start to come out where I remember watching uh, a news footage deal of this uh, news anchor that was uh, talking and doing the story about Woodstock, which that's how we kind of, that's one of, like, the aha moments of a generation, right, was Woodstock. And they were doing the, you know, there was this anchorman and he goes, "Um, all right, hey, you should check your sons or daughters' uh, bedrooms, your teenagers. If they're not there, they're probably at this anti-American rally and uh, they're probably naked on drugs, having sex with everyone. You know, and, and they're burning American flags here. You know, you better watch out. If your son or daughter comes to this, you're going to lose them forever. And so there was a lot of interesting stuff happening. But the aha moment of Woodstock was Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner on his electric guitar. That was a moment of a generation saying, that's what my America is going to look like. And it's a little different. You know, and you start seeing the sounds. So 2014, God says, I want you to go to Coachella. So you gotta understand, like, I was kind of musically irrelevant, like, I was not connected in 2014 to the level that, you know, that I am at this point, in this juncture in my life. And I had, I didn't realize that I was forced gumping my way, you know, like, 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 I have a, I, I'm, my sister is 10 and a half years younger than me. So she's like a true millennial. Like, I didn't know this until 2014 is, oh, wow, I'm a tweener. Like, I didn't even know, I thought I was a Gen Xer. And then I would have, like, then I started doing studies. And I'm like, oh, wait, because I'm born 81. So I'm like, oh, oh, no, 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 I'm a millennial. Like, some reports are, like, 80 and on are millennials. And then some are 82 and some are 83. And actually, the majority of them are 83 and on are millennials. And then I found out, like, from 78, 79 to 83 are these guys that are tweeners, which is me. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense if I'm called to build bridges with the generations. I mean, like, I'm a tweener. Like, but I understand. Like, I got my first cell phone when I was 24 years old. Okay, I remember my dad got the car phone like in the late 80s, you know, and it was, you know, it was like, it was crazy. I remember getting like my first Yahoo email, you know, at 2000, like when I was in in college. (laughs) Anyways, I remember seeing Sublime in concert. I remember seeing Pearl Jam. Anyways, so, so I definitely connect with Gen Xers. And as Gen Xers, like, we kind of get, like, swept under the carpet a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like, I remember hearing this report four years ago. Like, millennials just outnumbered, you know, they just outnumbered the baby boomers. Like, there was this, this, this like, passing in the, on this shift where the Gen Xers weren't even in the conversation, you know, the numbers game. Like, we, there wasn't, there's was not that many of us, I guess, you know? Like, but anyways, sorry, we're going down different rabbit holes but I found out I was a tweener, and then when I was 23, I got hired at the Vineyard in Laguna Niguel to be a young adult pastor. And so I'm like, yes, most revivals have been, you know, uh, happened with young adults. I'm going to go to colleges, universities, we're going to do prayer meetings, we're going to just go for it, and it's going to be amazing. And I got there, and the junior high pastor quit, and they asked me, will you be the junior high pastor as well? And I was like, dear God, no. Like, junior high ministry, successful junior high ministry is putting on a movie in a padded room, giving them pizza and Ritalin, and if they are like, still breathing by the end of the service, that was success, you know? Like, we didn't lose any limbs. We didn't lose any, you know, like, like we're good, you know? We, we didn't have any sneak up behind the trash can to make out or something like that. I mean, that was some of the junior high problems that you have to deal with, and or you have the other stream of like, oh my gosh, Chad, we need you in the room. Uh, Johnny drank 10 monsters at once. And you're just like, oh gosh. It's like, do we need to pump his stomach? Do we need to like, what what, what do we need to do? Anyways, it's the life of a junior high pastor. So I, I didn't want to be a junior high pastor. And the Lord's like, Chad, I, I, you, you need to understand whether I put you in the nursery, nursery of the convalescent home, you're gonna raise up revivalists. So start raising up revivalists. And so I my first youth night there was two kids you know don't despise the day of small beginnings there's two kids and i found out one of them was on fire so i came home really encouraged that night because half my youth group was on fire but two became 10 10 became 20 you know after about a year or so we had about over 100 kids And what was awesome was the quality, like, you know, that that these kids were revivalists. These kids, I mean, we decorated the youth room with empty wheelchairs and crutches and the whole deal. We would do, you know, Holy Spirit nights. We'd do prayer nights all through the, uh, we would do like 48-hour prayer nights, prayer times. I mean, these kids were amazing. We had one kid walk on water at a beach baptism. It was awesome. So I was mentoring and fathering millennials without even like realizing it. Like, oh, wow, like these were you know, now they're in their mid twenties, and 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 in 2014, I started realizing, oh wow, God, you've been you've been you know cultivating a heart for these guys this whole time, and and so and I have my sister, she's you know 26 right now, and so I called my sister and I'm like, hey, I feel like we're supposed to go to Coachella, and um, and we're supposed to just pray, I'm supposed to just go, and so uh, the Lord's like, take dirt, take soil from the prayer chapel and throw it on the Coachella grounds and just pray. Pray that people would just encounter me, that they would authentically encounter me. And so I did that. And I went and saw like these insane bands, which is amazing, you know, where all these people wanted to go with me and like make it a huge ministry trip. And I was like, nah, I just feel like I'm supposed to just go there and, and just let them cut me deep. Like, intercession is to be connected to heaven, connected to the Father, but also be connected to the land and be connected to the people. That Jesus stood over, you know, Jerusalem, and he wept. Like, you know, some of the great craziest miracles were in the highways and byways. Like, he was with the people. The woman at the well, like, he was just with the people, and he was letting them cut him, you know, he was being cut deep by the people around him. And he, and he operated out of that place out of intercession, and it's so important that, you know, we're in this place of prayer that we go into different places and we understand that there's something to connect with the land, that the Lord's been telling me to go stay in like the center of a city and go and experience the city and then intercede from that place. That you'll have more authority in the four walls of the church if you go out there to like, you know, whether it be concerts or whether it be crazy food places or whether it be, you know, art museums that you begin to gra- like let the culture begin to get in you and that you begin to just, I love missions, I love anthropology, I love studying the cultures. And as an intercessor, it's a lot of fun. So I went to Coachella and I just pray. And you know I'm watching Angus and Julia Stone, which is like folk music. And it's amazing to watch the expressions and the, and the different music genres that came out of the 60s. And then the sound of today, whether it be psychedelic rock with Tame Impala, Glass Animals, Alt J—I um, don't know if anyone's knowing these bands, but uh, yeah, there's only a few of you. Okay, that's a little scary. But anyways, um, yeah, you got—you're you, you, feeling me, you know? And then, uh, but yeah, we went and saw you know these crazy bands, and I—we I, just—I'm working with this one lady with social media. And I was telling her about this. I was like, hey, I really am trying to articulate intercession and the different creative ways of intercession. And so I was telling her about Coachella and praying for people just to encounter God and then also that people would come to BSSM. And so I'm telling her this and she just starts weeping. She says, Chad, I was at Coachella on mushrooms in 2014 and I encountered Jesus. I had a dream the last night of Coachella that Jesus came to me and I threw away all my drugs and I just graduated third year school ministry. And so she's telling one of her friends this, and she starts crying, and she says, I'm going into first year. I was at Coachella living with my boyfriend, and it was a week later, I got radically saved, like, like gave, like, recommitted my life to God, broke up with my boyfriend, and I'm going into first year school ministry. And I'm like, wow, like, those are like, you know, okay, we need to go, you know, to Coachella. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'm supposed to share this video, and I have not followed are you guys doing okay like we're just gonna take a little bit longer but I'm launching this thing catch the wave so 2014 began this journey of like okay I'm not I don't need to like launch some big ministry I'm just in this place of prayer in this place of intercession and in this video I share about the dream that I had in 2016 and I have this dream like God gives me this mandate I want you to pray for California and that, and you'll hear from the dream how there's this, like these, you know, there's there's healing in the waters, and there's healing that's coming to California and America and the world. And um, I break my clavicle a month after the dream, like severely break it, where I broke it in five places, had to do surgery. Here it comes, had to do surgery, and uh, they had to put a steel rod and and five screws, and me recovering from surgery. I went out and surfed a wave called Waimea in the north shore of uh, of Oahu and it was about 35 foot and I got a hernia uh, surfing it. And so anyways, I did two surgeries in the span of eight months and um, pretty, pretty crazy. And that's like the deal, right? Like God doesn't give you dreams to tease you. He gives you dreams to invite you into a relationship with him. That there's mandates, there's assignments, but sometimes circumstances can throw you for a loop and you have to... You have to, like, there's dreams that you have to fight for. I remember Chris Vallotton once told me, Chad, watch the prophetic words that you get, like, three times, four times, five times. Because when they're at that, like, level of frequency or that many times, that God's shining from the rooftops, that it usually when it's three or more times, it's a word that you're going to have to fight for. Yeah. And this is a word that I've had to fight for. And, um, and so we did, uh, we, this whole ministry, Catch the Wave, is... <clears throat> I have this dream, and you're about ready to see the video where I share the dream. But when I get woken up from the dream, this is what I don't share in the video. When I get woken up from the dream, the Lord says to me, Chad, now I'm just being a little vulnerable. Like, I love, well, I'm not going to need to put any disclaimers out there. But this is just me and my time with God, you know? Like, I'm 36 years old. I grew up in the prayer, like, world, you know? I, I, my parents... We were in the Vineyard in the 80s and early 90s, and we're part of Foursquare, part of Sevens of God. I went to Brownsville in, in 99, and I remember, the, like, we had prayer meetings weekly, you know, and so, and my grandma was this amazing intercessor, and I love intercessors. So with that in mind, I guess that was a disclaimer, me and God are talking, and I just have this whole thing about me stand-up paddleboarding, which I'm not a stand-up paddleboard guy. I'm a surfer. And there's something about innovation right now. There's something about creativity, and there's something about able to receive like new things. And sometimes that's hard for us, because I've been a surfer since I was like five years old, and us surfers do not like stand-up paddleboards when they came out, you know, because they get the waves before us. And at first, you know, they were riding boards that were really big and they couldn't really do anything with the wave. And we're like, this is so frustrating. And we would like kick stand-up paddle boards out. So me to have a dream that I'm stand-up paddleboarding Big Sur is a real big deal of like, that's not me. Yeah. But I've learned to discover that God has given us higher perspectives, that when you're a surfer, you're only sitting about two and a half, three feet out of the water. But as a stand-up paddle board, you're, sur- you're six feet out of the water. And the perspective difference is ridiculous. And so anyways, I don't need to go back into all that stuff. I mean, that's I feel like I'm about ready to explode. And so if you haven't noticed that already, there's a lot that I would like to talk about. But I'm only going to give you a little bit of a package. So here we go. So anyways, what I was saying about Catch the Wave is the Lord said to me, Chad, when I say intercessor, what comes to your mind? I'm like, well, a woman in her mid-60s with a prayer shawl and a shofar, a couple line of Judah flags, some essential oils, Um, you know, maybe a sword that she got online from the movie Braveheart or Lord of the Rings. Like, like I love intercessors, right? And the Lord says to me, Chad, I want you, it's time for you to come out of the closet and tell people you're an intercessor. You've been an intercessor your whole life. And I want you to begin to articulate to your generation what does intercession look like? Because I want to awaken a generation in prayer that there's so many people your age and younger that don't connect to the current model of intercession, and they're sabotaging the intercessor inside of them. But there's nutrients in those models. Like, there's things for us to grab from those models. And, it, and if they're not in competition, they're not in war, like, of each other but I'm going to go and just begin to model intercession by putting on these prayer worship services out in the ocean. So we're going to call them Worship on Water. Wow. So we did one of these a couple months ago in, uh, yeah, wow. (laughs) And so we did one of these in uh, Doheny Beach, and we just went out with like 20 people, did not promote it, did not like, hey, I need like, you know, the masses and army there. No, I just wanted to kind of just see how it goes. You know, let's just, let's just do some R&D. And so we just stand a paddleboard right beyond the waves. We brought out like the most, you know, horrible guitars because we don't care if they get wet. And we just start worshiping and people start paddling towards us. These surfers are like, is this, is this something spiritual? Is this like a Christian thing? Is this church? Like, can we join you? Seven people get saved. A guy's leg grows out. A guy's tumor dissolves. And we put on this, you know, we we I bought like 200 hot dogs and just, we fed people on the beach and we just ministered to them. And it was amazing. I was like, okay, you know, and then I was training for Catch the Wave. And I was, you know, God, Heidi Baker has a message. Love looks like something. So I'm just like intercession looks like something. Uh, I feel like I could just kill a a couple of sacred cows. I think The Lord is calling the generations, like the spirit of unity is about ready to manifest in so many different dimensions in so many different ways. You know, the spirit of unity, one dimension is breaking that denominational spirit. Like that's probably 90% of our ammunition in the spirit of unity, which is awesome, but that's just like one dimension. The Lord is coming with unity in areas of healing the generations. He's also coming with unity to break compartmentalization that, oh, I'm an intercessor, you're an evangelist, I take care of the airwaves, you are the ground troops. No, 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 like I had a dream over like a year and a half ago that I saw this uh, man that was an intercessor, that it was this groom, it was a wedding, and the groom was an intercessor, and the woman was an evangelist. And it was this like, they were getting married together. There's this marriage of intercession and evangelism together in this season. And so Heidi has this message, love looks like something. Oh, let's just kill it. Yeah, yeah, let's just kill it. Because I'm kind of labeled the evangelist. Like, I was raised by two evangelists. So, you know, when you're raised by two evangelists, it's like being raised by a pack of wild wolves. If you could, uh, if you could survive that, you could survive almost anything. I'm talking when I was 10 years old, I would be thrown into garbage dumps, like garbage uh, bins that are really big for, like, the winos and the drug addicts. Because I was the smallest one. So they would choose me to, like, you know, they would hoist me up. I was, the, I was the lightest, I guess, or something. And I would just minister, like, preach the gospel. And it was awesome. It was amazing. And that was kind of my rites of passage growing up, you know, and it was pretty normal to come home in fifth grade from like my, you know, studies and say, hey, Chad, there's a guy in your bedroom kicking heroin. Don't give him five dollars. He's going to stay in your room for a couple nights. I mean, that was that was normal at 10, 11 years old. Yeah, I discovered witchcraft, like witches and stuff, because we let a witch into our house and she cut some of my sister's hair and was doing a seance in the middle of the night. And that's how I discovered witchcraft. So I mean like you know it's it's a, it's a fun stuff. It's awesome. You know for a tenno extrovert it was amazing. <laughs> so I've always like naturally stepped into that evangelism deal because I was raised by evangelists and my my compassion like my my love for for the world is crazy cuz I just love people. Yeah. I mean that's why I love the prophetic, you know that that it's it's about connecting with God. And, you know, when you have, like, a best friend, you're going to have some subject matters that are, like, you know, your go-to subject matters. Like, I've got some really good friends that are surfers, and we talk about surfing. I've got really good friends that, you know, we play basketball, and we talk about basketball. But God's favorite subject is people. And that's, that's, he loves to talk about you guys. And that's why I love the prophetic, is because that's one of his favorite subjects. It's become one of my favorite subjects so I just love to get around people. Gosh, I'm taking way too long. Okay. Yeah. So just hitting this whole deal, because I love what you guys are doing. Like this is one of the things, I mean, you guys are such forerunners in marrying prayer, evangelism, and just being this like kind of apostolic center, being a resource center, being a place of healing, being a place where intercession, you're seeing the fruit and that's going to kill disillusion. where, where, where stuff is happening in the prayer movements where people get disillusioned or discouraged because they're stuck in the prayer room. And so I remember in 2003 being connected to, you know, and I've been a part of the boiler rooms, IHOP, all stuff. I love the, you know, I love the, the different expressions of prayer. And I remember 2003 being in this, like, I was in the city and I'm not going to tell you who or what organization, it doesn't matter. So we spent like a 12 hours in the prayer room, and we're just like going to town, like, God, stretch out your hand, let the harvest come, like, you know, like, right, you know, get the harvest ready and the whole deal, and, and so we're leaving, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't have a toothbrush. We got to go by the grocery store, and so me and, you know, one of the leaders, we go to the grocery store. It's like midnight, and I see this guy stocking the shelf, and I kept on hearing this drum beat, and I see this drum the size of a heart, and I'm like, man, what's up with drums? I keep on hearing this drum beat, and he goes, well, I play drums. And I say, but it's the shape of a heart, and I feel like you're about ready like, to hear the Father's heart for you, and, 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 and like the cadence of the Father. And he just starts weeping because he was an orphan. He, he was adopted. And he went through like the foster care system. He went through all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm like, the Father wants to reveal how much he loves you. And he just starts weeping. And I'm like, this is a fish jumping in the boat. Like, he's ready to know Jesus. He's ready to, like, meet the creator of the universe, you know? And so I look at this guy who, like, this is his town. Like, he's, like, taking authority and praying and the whole deal. And I'm like, dude, like, it would be wrong for me to, like, you know, lead him to the Lord. You need to lead him to the Lord. Like, so I look, I'm like, dude, this is your chance. Like, this is what you've been praying for, for, you know, for years, and he's like, dude, no, no, you're the evangelist. Like, it's your, it's your position, it's your function to lead him to the Lord. And I'm like, oh my God. So I led him to the Lord. I wasn't going to get into a theological debate. But I'm just saying that me growing up, like, I've seen that, and I feel like that thing is about ready to get broken. Like, I mean, I, it's true. I mean, in the sense of... You know, compartmentalizing, oh, this is natural, this is mundane, this is spiritual. Like, he's calling us to pray without ceasing. Like, in Norway in 2006, like I got asked this question, Chad, how much do you pray? Like, do you have different seasons? Do you pray more? Do you fast? All stuff. I'm about ready to tell him. And the Lord's like, Tell. you need to tell me you pray 24-7. I'm like, God, you know my life. I do not pray 24-7. And he goes, Chad, no, 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 you don't understand. Your spirit, like, is connected to my spirit 24-7. While you're asleep, your heart is awake that... That, that, Chad, it is your responsibility to begin to engage with my spirit, that to recognize my presence every moment of your, of your life, that it, whether it be going to the movies, whether it be, and that's been kind of my, like, deal with the Lord in intercession, is I have crazy God encounters in movies. I have crazy God encounters at date night. I have crazy God encounters in all kinds of different areas of my life because he's always there. You know, we recognize his presence when we come to church. We recognize his presence when there's a worship album because we begin to engage. We begin to lean in. We begin to focus. But to learn how to do that at all times is, is the, the great responsibility. Yes. 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 So Jesus. Okay, I guess let's show this video. Um, yeah, just show this video. Then we'll just, I don't know. I'm going to pray or something. So we're about ready. You know, August 17th is our one of our first ones. We're going to it's going to be Heidi Baker and me. Uh, We're at a Calvary Chapel like this is pretty big to be at a Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel opened the store and said, hey, we want, you know, because what we're doing, there's a couple different arms to this deal. Is I was praying and and training in Laguna Beach because I've got some long paddles ahead of me. And, um, and I was seeing garbage everywhere. And I'm like, God, begin to just show me all the different, like, points. You know, the, what does intercession look like? It's got to look like something. There's got to be touch points to intercession that's creative and, you know, all this stuff. And I was seeing garbage. I'm like, we need to do beach cleanups. And you know, I started researching what was going on in the ocean. Like, we have the size of Texas, an island of garbage, plastics, in the Pacific. So I'm working with some engineers in Seattle where we're getting one of the biggest barges and we're going to go into that island and try to find an efficient way to get 10,000 pounds at least. But we're going to put on a worship intercession uh, meeting out there in the island of garbage. Like, But every catch the wave, we do a beach cleanup. Every catch the wave, we're taking, you know, like there's another deal because uh, there's healing in the water. Right. Yeah. There's something about healing in the water. There's something about... You know, healing the land, and we're taking out. <clears throat> there's just different mandates, different things that I feel like the Lord's been directing us into. Is this is too big to kind of like talk about? Um, but there's a opioid crisis in our country. Probably, uh, um, drug overdoses have become the ninth uh, reason. I mean, the ninth uh, biggest way that Americans are dying. That it has jumped from like 16, you know, I think it was about seven years ago they did a study, and it was the 16th, you know, at the 16th spot. Now it's at the ninth spot, and I don't know if you're aware of what's going on in West Virginia, what's going on in Ohio, but I have a lot of friends there, a lot of pastors there, and it's crazy. But it's going on in our country. And um, so I just hooked up with about 500 drug rehab centers from San Diego to San Francisco, and we're taking them all out surfing. You know, that, that we're, I'm working with vets that are coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq that are dealing with like PTSD or, you know, injuries from combat, we're taking them out surfing. There's like two organizations that I'm working with right now, That are rescuing girls that are sex trafficking, we're taking them out surfing. Like, so that's a big part of what we're doing at Catch the Wave is we're bringing you know, people to a place where they because it's one of the most authentic expressions for me where I've discovered God. When I was five years old, I discovered God in in the water. And ever since I was a little kid, you know, growing up and then in high school, like the good times, bad times, I'd always just encounter Jesus in the water. And it was, uh, you know, just a place where, uh, and then I was a place that I would sometimes take my hits of Chad, you just want to go speak at that church because you want to go surfing, or you're just going to go to YWAM Kona because you want to go surfing. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to steward, like, the mandate, you know, that's all my life, that I worked at Hurley, you know, when I was 18 and 19, that, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's all these different cross points, like, I've been a part of the... the um, WSL where I've got to be a chaplain for a few professional surfers, like man like that that's just kind of my sweet spot like that's one of the authentic places of who I am with God that That I'll never forget uh, 18 years old being at a service and they said, if you have passions that are not Jesus and you need to put them on the altar. So I put surfing on the altar. Then a couple months later, a hurricane swell came in and God's like, what are you doing? I never told you to give up your surfboard. You know, that's one of the places that I like to encounter you. Go get that surfboard and go get the hurricane swell. It was so good. Like, he was just breaking any kind of religious, you know, deal. And I remember being a missionary in Indonesia, and and we're debriefing on the airplane. And the Lord's like, what would you have done differently? I'm like, man, I really wish I would have surfed more, because I only surfed a handful of times in four months. And the Lord's like, Chad, I really wish you would have surfed more, too, because I find pleasure in you when you surf. Which is Proverbs, you know, 12, 13. Like, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. And I think this is one of my greatest places of prayer, is, is in the ocean. It's one of, like, my sanctuaries, my places that connect with the Lord. And I feel like the Lord is breaking a religious spirit where maybe it's horseback riding, maybe it's painting, maybe where, where I mean, like, I'm talking with Lou Engel quite a bit. He's like, Chad, do you realize what you're doing? You're raising up watchmen along the coastline. Like, 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 this is amazing what you're doing. And uh, he's like, Chad, I'm having dreams where Frisbees are going up and down the coast of California. And I feel like you need to anoint Frisbees. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. That's, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) And so anyways, we're in this pretty amazing time. Like, I don't have the time to break it down of the correlating 60s and now. And, uh, but we are in the beginning stages of another movement it's pretty epic to be around. And I want to just read, uh, this, this book just came out. Uh, this guy Roger Sachs who was mentored by Lonnie Frisbee and Lonnie Frisbee and him got together in the, in the early nineties. And he told Roger, Hey, I want you to come out with this book, but I I want you to wait until it's time and you'll know when it's time. And, uh, there's a lot of things. I don't know if you guys have ever heard my mom and dad talk about their whole Lonnie Frisbee deal. But, um, and I don't have time to break that down. But basically, my dad got imparted in like Modesto by the House of Acts, you know, couple and the whole deal. And Lonnie Frisbee said, there'll be a man here that's coming to look for my anointing. He'll be in his like late 40s. And it's for him, but it's for a whole generation. And, and so this lady came to this pastor's like afternoon. She's like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm a school teacher. But now I do know and and she prayed for my dad, and he got rocked. So, anyways, yeah, I, I you know, and then there was right after that, he he um, came up with treasure hunting, and the whole deal, and fire starters, which is like a pretty amazing evangelism expression. So, I think something did kind of catch on him, and, uh, and I remember when I moved back down to Southern California, I had a dream that, and I grew up in, in California, like, there is something about California roots. There's something about the, you know, there's I don't know. I just feel like us California natives that we. It's just a time to pray for California, the soil of California. But I had a dream that I was walking through like the valley of Southern California, and I saw this castle, and I was wooed to go in there, and I go in there, and there is this like banging again, like under the ground, and it was stone, and there's no, you know, us Californians like we know we don't really have basements, so I'm like, what in the world's underneath there? I'm trying to figure out what's, how to get down there. And this older person, I don't know if it was a, a man or a woman, this older person, you know, was like, like this father or, you know, this, you know, like father-mother type of figure says, the way to get down there is through the attic. And I'm like, okay. So I went up to the attic and I found this jackhammer and I brought it down and I jackhammer the stone and I make it in this hole. And I look down there, and there's Lonnie Frisbee, William Seymour, Amy simpson McPherson, and Catherine Coleman chained up. So I get down there, and I'm trying to get the chains loose. And then suddenly this person, you know, the father-mother figure says, the key to uh, free them is in the bridal suite. So I go through these hallways and check out these, like, bedrooms. Oh, that's not it. And suddenly this room, like this, like, woos me in like the presence of God is so strong I even lose sight of why I'm even there and then suddenly I see the key and I'm like I think this is the key and so I grab it run down there the key fits perfectly I'm about ready to turn it and I go wait a second who put you guys here and these guys are fathers and mothers of past moves of God you know that in California and so I'm like who put you here and they all look at me and they say the church and I go, well, you're free now. And I turn the key, and the, and, the, and the chains come unlocked, and they go running through the hills of California screaming, we're free, we're free, we're free for a generation. And, uh, and then I went and said, well, I think I need to go and pray at all these like, spots. So I went to the Bonnie Bray house, found out that someone had just donated Catherine Coleman's pulpit to the Bonnie Bray house, and I got there, and, like, you know, in the Bonnie Bray house was actually four touch points of Amy, of uh, William, obviously, Seymour, uh, um, and, uh, and Lonnie and Catherine. And it's pretty crazy, because Catherine Coleman and, and Amos McPherson are buried in the same graveyard, and then William Seymour is in this, like, you know, not very fabulous, you know, like, he's just, you know, one of thousands in this L.A. graveyard. And then Lonnie Frisbee... So I was like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to. This is 2005. I was supposed to redig the wells of what God has done in California. So I went on this whole like prayer assignment deal. Gosh, I haven't been able to talk about some prayer. Okay, anyways. Um, I love like going on prayer assignments, like going on, uh, you know, just different intercession stuff. It's just so much fun. Like intercession is ridiculously fun and it's an adventure and it's 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 a blast so anyways it leads you to stories like this where i was like lonnie frisbee was the last one to check off the list and he was buried at the christian cathedral so i went there after a don potter meeting at like midnight and the security guards were hunting us down and we would hide in the bushes and then we had led light like the flip phones you know this is 2005 so we had flip phones going through the graves looking for lonnie frisbee and after about an hour and a half, we finally find him. I get on my knees, and I'm like, God, you know, just, I so honor what you did in one man and one generation. Do it again, the whole deal. And, and then the sprinklers come on. Like, I'm, like, in the second minute of praying. The sprinklers come on. We all run, and I hear the Lord say, how bad do you want it? And I'm like, oh, dang. And so I went back and just got just, just drenched. But anyways, this is Lonnie Frisbee. This book came out, I believe, in 2015. This is his book, too. It's pretty epic, and it's just basically his biography and his thoughts, and it was pretty cool with stuff that was going on. So this is him talking about the Jesus People movement, and I just feel like this is timely, and this is how I'm going to end. Man, I there was, there, was going to make this legal and have a scripture to read. Well, maybe we will. Um, but the, Lord's, the Lord started, started straightening me out. This is after Lonnie gets radically saved. But the Lord started straightening me out. He led me to Chuck Smith and me together, one night, we were sharing our testimonies in the church for the first time. And at that particular point, there was a core of about 30 to 90 people attending the church. You know, this is like Calvary Chapel. I grew up down the street from, like, the mothership Calvary, Costa Mesa Calvary. And I used to go there on Monday nights as a kid all the time. And so we had a little church. It was about as big as the corner of this room right here. This is Lonnie Frisbee talking, by the way, at Mother's Day at the vineyard, the Mother's Day outpouring in 1980. So anyways, uh, there were 15 of us praying at the altar that night, and the Spirit of God prophesied through Kay Smith and said to us, because of your praise and adoration before my throne tonight, I'm going to bless the whole coast of California. I thought, whew, she really thought of a dilly tonight. But then I thought, the whole coast of California, that's got to be God. When we started to receive the word as from God, the spirit of the Lord fell upon us and we began to weep. And the Lord began to give people visions of that prophecy. The Lord continued on to say that it was going to move across the United States and then go into different parts of the world. That's when there were hardly any young people going to Calvary at all. From that day on, we went onto the beaches and to the parks, outreaching, taking on the Great Commission as if it depended on us. Not relying on anyone else to do it, just us. I sense that we're experiencing a second wave of God. I believe that we're having an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, something similar to what I sensed back then, years ago. I sense it in the atmosphere, I sense it in the eyes, I sense it in the voices of the people I hear responding to the Lord in this hour. God is moving upon you in a very blessed way. Some of you are just new to it. You're just being introduced to it. I always thought that revival would continue on and on, and it was always going to be the same. But a revival doesn't always continue on. And I want to encourage you tonight to go on towards what God is doing. Press into it. Don't take for granted the timing or the season that we're in. One of the secrets, the reason why we, there were 25,000 people going to Calvary out there now is because of the mixture of things. I think it's important to hear the story. When I first met Chuck Smith and the people who went to his church, they were mostly all John Bircher's. I'm not really familiar with that, but John Bircher's, I guess, was a thing back then. I didn't know what a John Bircher was. I used to take communion with the Mormons. I didn't know the difference between a Jehovah Witness and a born-again Christian. I used to invite them all invite them in and talk about Jesus. But anyway, I was an extreme leftist, marching in the peace rallies. I was against Vietnam. And here was a whole bunch of John Birchers. And they were inviting me in. And you see how much of a miracle that was to fellowship with a long-haired hippie when they believed in the John Birch Society type of doctrine or whatever you want to call it. But it was a radical accepting, the dropping of opinions. Then it was the wisdom of the age and the zeal of the youth that was combined together. I think that if you have that flavor here, I sense that. He's talking to the vineyard. It was Yober Linda, Calvert Chapel at the time. The adults at the same time were saying, stupid kids, you don't have a brain in your head. Get over here. And here these kids were coming up saying, let's see, I don't want to embrace materialism because that destroys you. And I think we ought to be a little more free about the things that we think and say. There's a new thing happening, see? But the adults were saying stupid. It's a bummer to be rejected by adults, especially when you have something to say, even if you're confused about it. So the adults weren't accepting the young people. They weren't even listening. They weren't even paying attention because the young people were saying good things. At that time... There was a combination of the wisdom of the age and the zeal of the youth, combining the cross-culture of what was going on and accepting one another in love. The young people started receiving Christ and the old folks started to see and listen. Then the Lord started to bless. There was starting to be a a momentum in what God was doing. We had a midweek service that started at seven o'clock and the church was filled at four. It didn't let out until almost midnight, kids coming from LA and Long Beach and getting back home at one o'clock in the morning. And their parents were saying, where were you on a Wednesday night? Oh, we went to church. Liar. Nobody can go to church from four o'clock to one o'clock. That's crazy. Well, go down there and see for yourself. The parents would come out and they would get born again That's how we started getting the older people to come. The older people came to the Lord through their kids. It used to be the other way around in the church. The parents used to pray for the kids all the time, but this revival was bringing in the parents. I mean, it's been kind of crazy. Like, I have a friend who runs a service for those that employ Millennials. You, you outsource this guy and their team and they work with your millennial employees to, to help them become better employees. You know, like, like I hear stuff all the time of all oh, these millennials are entitled, these millennials are, you know, they, they, the loyalty thing is gone, the, the, you, know, the, you know, I'm gonna stay with one career or one you know, place. Like, oh, you know, it's just so intriguing. Yeah. But it's so important that we have conversations. It's so important that we seek understanding that we as a church aren't known for judgment, but we're known for people of, conv- of, of conviction. I'm going to end with this. Jesus. So the Lord, I said this earlier. I mean, like, there's like, I just want to release this really quick of creative ways to do intercession. And this whole thing of surfing Like, it's so me, it's just who I am. So I I contacted a few of my friends that are shapers, and I said, hey, listen, because I feel like the Lord's gonna start giving you little mandates that you, like, are just little creative expressions of the way that's, like, authentically how you connect with God. And so I tell my buddies who are shapers, I'm like, hey, guys, because normally if you shape me a board, it's gonna say Chad Deadman, dimensions like 6'4, 20 inches wide, two and a half inches thick. I don't know if there's any surfers in the in the room right now, but but anyways, I said, hey, don't put my name on there. I want you to put Julia, Burrell, and David on that board, the board that I ride the most. I want you to put the net other board that I want you to shape this fish. I want it to be Sean Bowles. This other board, I want it to be Joaquin Evans. And then I started buying my friends' boards that have their names on it. And it's these arrows of intercession. It's these every time I ride that board, I begin intercede for those people that that like you know there's creative ways so i I now have 25 different boards with 25 like like I bought my buddy who was dealing with crazy anxiety you know like and I'm telling you anxiety is getting broken off of a generation like it's it's uh yeah everyone was really excited about that but I mean like you need to understand anxiety is is a is a fun one to kill and, I, and I've killed it. You know, like I didn't get anxiety until I was 34 years old. 33, 33, right, right when Jesus gets crucified. But anyways, <laughs> I went through a season of multiple surgeries, went blind for two weeks. A lady stole 10 grand from us. Um, you know, uh, grandparents dying, a miscarriage, all in the span of a little bit. And I was dealing with a little bit of anxiety. And so I learned how to kill that thing. You know, like, how to, how to strengthen yourself in the Lord, how to be present, because there is such a war right now, like, on how to be present. Right. Yeah. Dear Lord, okay, I'm getting other things that I could spend a lot of time talking about, but the Lord's been calling me to intercede. Like, I go, and I sometimes take a hit of, like, oh, you're just going to that concert because it's, yeah, it's fun. Like, oh, okay, yes, Jesus Can I just hit this one? Yes, because I had a dream, and I feel like I've said this is my fifth dream I've talked about in the span of two years. The Lord has given you dreams. The Lord has given you dreams and their invitations, their mandates, their assignments, and that you would begin to find creative outlets to execute your dreams. And so, anyways, I have this dream. I am walking in this garden and I see this gigantic tree and the base of the tree, the trunk of the tree says goodness. And I see this branch say prophetic, all these leaves on it. This branch says healer, all these leaves on it. Provider, all these leaves on it. And this one branch has no leaves on it and it says fun. It says, and God says to me, Chad, I want, this is one of your greatest mandates is that you would connect, that you would begin to articulate to the world and the bride of Christ how fun I am and how that's connected to me being good. And like, I'm known, yeah, thank you. I'm known as like the fun guy. You know, it's just something naturally, like, but it's not natural. It comes from a lifestyle of intentionality. You know, like it's become easier and easier. But I've discovered that 70% of Americans struggle with how to have fun. And and I've gotten so many hits of, oh, chat like, because we are so conditioned, you can't be responsible and have fun at the same time. Like, you work hard and then you can play later. You know, like, fun is for the weekends. Fun is for after work. Like, No, you could actually, like, have fun and be responsible. You know, that. so anyways, intercession is a lot of fun. And the Lord's been calling me to do, like, fun things in cities where I begin to connect with the people, where they cut me deep. And I could tell you story after story, but I'm going to end with this story. As the Lord, I went to Denver, and we were Hyatt. We have a Hyatt card. And so there was a Hyatt right next to the church, and there was a Hyatt downtown, and told my wife, Julie, I'm like, I need to stay at the downtown one. And so I do. And I've got a couple buddies. We get in, we go eat this amazing meal in Denver. There's just an amazing foodie spot. I mean, that's another expression of like, you, are, we are in a crazy reformation deal right now. But anyways, <laughs> that's a whole other deal with food, with, with, I mean, the crazy, like, you know, shows that are happening right now and just the, the music. Anyways, it's pretty epic time to be alive. It is. Yes. Coffee. Um, so I go stay, and I'm a big jacuzzi guy. And that's another thing, another way I've killed anxiety is, you know, like, knowing how to decompress, knowing how to get strength. How to? I go on float tanks. I go to cryotherapy. I'm not saying you have to do that stuff to kill anxiety, but there's, there's th- those things definitely help. But anyways... So I go in Denver and I jump in this jacuzzi. It's 945 at night and all these, guys, all these people are in the jacuzzi. I've got two of my buddies and I'm like, hey, what brought you guys to Denver? What are you guys doing? Oh, we're at the LGBTQ Christian conference, that, you know, like going on across the street. And I'm like, perfect. I'm in the perfect spot right now. <laughs> and so I just started asking them questions. I started like, hey, what's, what's, what's it been like with same-sex attraction and you growing up in the church? Like, what's, it, what's, what's your experience been like? And they begin to tell me their experience, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, some of the nightmares, some of the judgments, some of the whatever it may be, and you're just, like, letting it just hit you a little deeper. And then they're asking me questions. We get kicked out of the jacuzzi, and we're in the weight room. And so we're in the fitness center of this Hyatt Hotel, and I, I, they started asking me questions. I'm like, hey, what's up with, like, March 8th? And this guy goes, "That's my birthday," and I'm like, "Well, something happened to you eight years old. I don't know if it's on your birthday or what, but the Father wants to heal you of something, and He wants to, He wants to reveal Himself as your Dad." And he just starts weeping and begins to tell us some stuff that was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And we just started like the Father just started pouring out, and they just started getting blasted in like right next to the you know the the abductor workout machine or the curl press. <laughs> And, and, and and you know, and there's other guys, like, I want to know the Father like that. And, and so they just started getting hit with the Father's love in the weight room. Yeah, exactly. Ended up coming to church with me the next morning. And they're, like, getting blasted. Like, you know Heidi Baker? And, like, you know, all of this stuff. And, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, these guys, like, we just got to, you know, it's like, how do we model love? How do we, how do we model love? Yeah. I mean, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. Jesus was accused where he was hanging out with the sinners of the world. Like, we don't need to be scared. Like, yes, we need to be smart and strategic and connected and have people that are watching your back. But, man, we need to get out there. And these guys were just like, man, I want to know more. Like, you know, like, okay, like, you know, and and they start, you know, asking like, hey, can you help me? Can you disciple me? And I'm just like, yeah, totally. And just loving on them. I mean, isn't it crazy that Lonnie Frisbee dealt with same-sex attraction, and he was catalytic, the face of, of, of a couple movements. Yeah. Could it be out of that, you know, that movement that could be the next Lonnie Frisbees? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Where they just get rocked by God's love. Yeah. 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 Come on. Jesus. Right. So just stand up with me. I had so much I wanted You guys are amazing. I just kind of exploded. But I'm telling you, I just feel like there is is an invitation. You know, there's an invitation for you to begin to discover, like, we're called to pray without ceasing. You know, I was going to talk about Romans 8, actually, and about how creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God, and also the Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us and intercedes with us. Like, Like, there is this... There is this amazing, you know, you know, place of connecting and understanding. Like I, we did our uh, stand-up paddleboard in Southern California, and the Lord's like, never close your eyes. I want you just to look over the mountains of Southern California, all the houses, and just pray that my spirit just crashes in, that they would know me. That they they, they wouldn't be like servants, slaves, like they would know me. And so... I just began to just worship. And it's one of the greatest places. I mean, I love going to like Azusa now and stadiums of 100,000 people worshiping. But there's something about going into creation where you see like you know like 10,000 trees and they're all singing the same song. They're giving glory to God. There's just something about getting in creation that, that just helps you like connect with God. And so just put your hand on your heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, for creative outlets. I pray, Lord, that you would just release a wave of prayer. And, Lord, that that it would lead us somewhere, that it would lead us into the highways and byways, Lord, that we would begin to connect to a generation, that, that we begin to see the healing of the generations. And, Lord, I just pray for each one of us, especially whether we're millennial, Gen Xer, a tweener, a baby boomer, that we would begin to bless the generations, that we would no longer like feed into the, all the stereotypes, all the different stuff, that we would actually see the redemptive side. Because I've seen some of these millennials are like the hardest workers, like they're Instagram professionals and they spend five hours on a, like a picture. It's amazing. But, Lord, I pray that you would begin to teach us the language of heaven and how to articulate the gospel, the gospel that's been preached for 2,000 years, the gospel that says, I want to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified and to know the power of God. But, Lord, that we would learn how to articulate it, that Chuck Smith told his family, a pastor of 50 people of a four-square church in Costa Mesa, He told his kids, go pick up some hitchhikers. I want to just talk to them. I want to learn their language. And they picked up Lonnie Frisbee. But it sometimes takes you getting out there, getting outside your box and just starting to ask questions, beginning to let people cut you deep where you begin to intercede. So Lord, I pray for creative ways. And Lord, that we would have a lot of fun that intercession would not be looked upon as something that's boring or, or you know, it's, it's done in certain ways. That Lord, I pray for creative expressions of intercession. So rock is really good. Amen. Bless you guys. You guys are amazing. Thanks for letting me go over. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.